the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. The marine insurance industry staged its annual get-together in Toronto this week, and while Ayumi conferences may not be what anyone would call an excitable gathering, there was at least a palpable undercurrent of optimism. The big news of the week is that global marine premiums in 2018 rose for the second year in succession, growing 1% to hit $28.9 billion. Bear in mind that comes after a 2% gain in 2017. Perspective, of course, is needed here. There is still a lot of ground to make up before the sector sees anything approaching a restoration of the uh, $33.4 billion premium that was clocked up only five years ago. But yes, it is a step in the right direction. Lloyd's List sent not one but two journalists to the conference this year, with David Osler there to report and Michelle Bachman giving a presentation to Ayumi before lending Dave a hand with the reporting duties as well. They've been talking to some of the key Ayumi players throughout the week, including Ayumi's Secretary General Lars Lang and Nick Shaw, the Chief Executive of the International Group of P&I Clubs. But we'll begin this week with Dave talking to Astrid Seltman of C4. She's the chair of Ayumi's Facts and Figures Committee, and her statistical report with those all-important figures on premiums is always one of the star turns of the year. In this clip, she's going to be telling Dave that overall it's a mixed picture and still too early to declare a complete recovery. I always find the press people, they are always very um, interested in has the absolute volume of the overall global premium gone up or down a few percent, but this is from an actuary point of view relatively uninteresting because uh, the interesting thing is how does the premium relate to the actual risk you insure. Mm -hmm. And that is of course uh, different by line of business, Uh, there will be different between hull and cargo and energy. And uh, the, the really question you have to answer is, does the risk relate to, also does the premium relate to the actual underlying risk you're insuring? Uh, and uh, much of this, uh, there, there have been some increases, they are driven by different things. Also in cargo, I think the increases have been driven mainly by the increase in trade, but not by any really improvement in the cargo insurance market. And on the Hull side, of course, uh, we had very bad results the last couple of years where um, the premiums were completely eaten up by, uh, even by attritional losses, which should be very easy to to calculate into your pricing. (laughs) And there was no reserves for for the uh, major losses, uh, which Mm -hmm. you should take into account in addition. And uh, I only hope that uh, in the market there is more consciousness now coming for that you really evaluate the risk, also the risk in terms of exposure and the risk in terms of looking at the claims trends, both for uh, attritional and for, for major losses. And then you have to look at what income do you need to cover yeah. these actual risks and yeah. the potential claims. Okay, but so we're still some <laughs> way off from paying our way as, uh, as a sector. Also, I can't answer that in general because that is a question you have to put to the individual companies. No, I'm not an underwriter. No, of course, the uh, results will mm-hmm. differ very much by company, and some companies right. they have very good uh, underwriting policies, they have good risk assessments, and other may not have. And 
what I'm presenting at the IUMI conference is, of course, is averages, uh, and each and every company may deviate from the averages. Well, of course, we that's, and, that's and what actuaries do. Actuaries yeah. do. But uh, risk, you've mentioned uh, in conversation with me earlier, risk adequate pricing. Yeah, um, yeah, how yeah. far off are we from that? So I don't think it should be so difficult as you sometimes get the impression of because there are quite a number of actuarial methods. So now we are in an age of digitization and everything and everybody is talking about big data and more data and everything. But but uh, uh, actuarial methods for pricing have been around for 30 or more years. No? And uh, when I started my career in reinsurance and there was a lot of focus on technical pricing and, and these methods have existed, so why, why not apply them? <laughs> so right. I, hope that, I hope that a number of companies do that. Right. So we know what to do, it's just going to be a question of doing and, it. Uh, yeah, as one thing is uh, applying the methods which already exist and you know about, and the other thing is to get the information about the risks you actually insure. No? And you have to, I mean, if you insure ships or cargo, you should have a perception of what risk uh, do certain types of ship constitute, what is perhaps the average cost of an engine claim, and you should have an understanding of what you actually insure yeah. there. No? Later in the week, Michelle caught up with Lars Lang, Ayumi's Hamburg-based Secretary General. She asked him about the departure of dozens of underwriting entities from marine classes, in whole or in part, and how that's shaking up the market. My first question to you is that um, for, for those who aren't that familiar with the marine uh, insurance market, one of the headline figures was that in the last um, two years, 31 underwriting entities have been removed from the market. Can, can you explain how this situation has arisen? Good evening, Michelle. Well, I think it's a number of, of reasons for that, and, and maybe this is a healthy development for the market. Uh, it's, so it's not really a secret that we have not achieved really really prosperous results in the last few years and, and, and business comes more under pressure of course. We have new market participants in marine insurance. It's easier to access the markets in the meantime. Uh, we have additional capacity from for example Asian markets in the meantime and this is something which has to be duly managed of course and this is maybe something which people were not early enough aware of and this led to, to significant problems in the market, and this is maybe what we currently see a, re a reaction on that. But as said, for the whole market, uh, as painful as this may be in the moment, that might be a healthy development. And moreover, what I find quite promising is that we obviously get a broader awareness uh, in, the, in the client's world, in the broker's world, uh, that marine insurers, at the end of the day, have to develop a sustainable business in order to be able to really provide good services to the clients. Well, just going on, on from that, one of the, the headline figures, um, again, that was uh, mentioned today is that deductibles haven't risen for 25 years. <laughs> now, now, why is that? And is that, is that sustainable? I have not really uh, uh, positive information on that. I will say I do not know whether deductibles have not risen. Uh, but I would say this is not really the deciding point, you know, deductibles have various facets. Uh, one could, for example, say a high deductible 
uh, does mean that your insurer as a service provider, as a partner, is excluded from many claims de decisions, from many uh, risk assessment decisions. This is all left in this deducted area uh, to the clients. And so far, as a good service provider, and this is what I would like uh, the industry see as, uh, it's not too bad to have lower deductibles and then to be able to uh, to, to guide your clients with risk assessment, with mitigation in this area. So it can be a pricing, uh, a pricing tool, of course, but I wouldn't say that low deductibles uh, are by, say, some, some indicator for, for a worse market. Okay, but deductibles haven't moved. I, I can't say actually. Okay. You know, I work for an association. Sure. That might be the case, but we don't collect things like that on an association level. Okay. And my other question related to container ship fires. Yes. Now that's one of the big hot issues here at the um, yeah. conference. Yeah. And I believe that there's some some work that you're doing with um, other industry associations. Um, to make some submissions with the within the IMO or the International Maritime Organization, can you explain what yeah. you're doing there, please? Exactly, and thanks for writing that, uh, Michelle. This is really very close to our heart. So this is something which not only IUMI is monitoring over the last few years. This has actually been a topic, I would say, at least for ten years, and we have seen already one initiative at IMO, which ended with a compromise, which was okay at that point of time. But not only in our view, only also in the view of other participants in the market, not sufficient. And this is why we have taken the opportunity to raise this once again. We have addressed this here during the conference. We have addressed this during MSC 101, which took place this year in June. That's uh, the Maritime Safety Committee. Exactly, yeah. the Maritime Safety Committee at the IMO. And we would like to put this again on the ag agenda of the IMO Maritime Safety Committee ideally next year during MSC 102. Uh, what we always say is that we don't want uh, to address this against any other stakeholders, against ship owners, for example, but we would like to solve this with the ship owners. And this is why we have currently various talks and activities and negotiations with the stakeholders to ensure that we are all on the same page because I'm convinced, and this is what I see, that all stakeholders have a sound interest uh, to work on that. So we have seen in the first two quarters of this year alone four, four major incidents in that regard and that makes simply no sense. So it's a few things which we have to address. This starts with misdeclaration of dangerous goods or with non-declaration of dangerous goods. This belongs to uh, the detection of fires. So we have smoke detection uh, nowadays in the holds which does not really make sense for container fires, which are in the beginning contained in the container, that's where the word is from. Uh, we need better firefighting capacities within the holes, so we have currently CO2, CO2, uh, CO2 systems, which by nature do not really work for container fires, and we have by far not sufficient capacity on board. And this is not only a threat for the vessel, this is moreover also a threat the crew and this is what we have seen in the recent incidents that the crew was in massive danger of course okay well on that note we'll leave it there um that's definitely something that we'll be following up and um look forward to hearing more about that initiative it's something that i think lloyd's list has been following for, for quite a while thank you lars thank you michelle
Finally, Dave Buttonhold, first-time attendee Nick Shaw. He's the chief executive of the international group of P&I clubs. He was talking to him in one of the coffee breaks, so if you can hear Motown soul classics being belted out in the background, we apologise for the uh, for the noise, but uh, it is worth listening to, we suggest. So, Nick, um, what are your impressions of the conference so far? Um, I think that uh, it covers most of the main topical issues that one would expect um, marine insurers to uh, be interested in. Um, I think container ship fires is obviously there um, and is a great concern for the industry generally and how to stop that. There are a lot of initiatives going on at the moment, such as SINs, uh, to try to deal with that, but there's some inherent difficulties in terms of uh, cargoes being loaded at locations into containers all the way around the world and then um, uh, being uh, the containers then being shipped to ports and then the, um, the, that's really where the carriers start to see uh, the containers. So are you going to rip open every container and start to inspect what's inside or not? Clearly not. So it's just a question of how, how can the industry really um, address that issue and I think it's a really, really difficult one. But it's been useful to you as a P&I guy rather than um, someone who's involved with hull or cargo. Absolutely, I think there are a lot of liability issues that have come up um, during the course of the conference and um, you know the chance to meet a number of the uh, underwriters that are behind our programme on the insurance side was terrific and to be able to answer some of their questions um, and also to interact with um, some of the government delegations from around the world, for example, Hong Kong, are here uh, in force, and um, I've had the chance to catch up with them as well. So uh, there's lots of interesting people to meet. Well, you, you're on the Legal and Liability Committee, I understand. How did that go? That was good. Um, uh, you know, again, I think it's a very professional committee. Um, they're looking at the correct issues. It's a chance for me to give the PNI input into that, um, which I, I've done, and uh, to help to update them on some of the and to answer their questions on some of the issues that they're concerned about. OK, make sure International Group Chief Executive, thank you very much. Not at all, thank you. And that's all for this week. But join us next Friday for another edition of the Lloyd's List podcast. We're going to be talking LPG with Epic Gases CEO. Until then, thank you for listening and goodbye.